Ladies and gentlemen, infiltrate the dealer, find the supplier. I'm Kent Garrison. I'm Brian Gill. I'm Richard Barton. And this is Mad About Movies. You sound insane. You realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. Seriously? It's showtime. Mad About Movies is your go-to movie podcast for all things concerning the world of cinema. We discuss movie news, movie rumblers, <laughs> movie rumors, and those ever-important movie rumblings. There we go. And then we break it on down for our chosen movie of the week. If you are spoiler-phobic, fret not. We will give you ample warning before we head into spoiler territory. And make sure you stick around to the end of the show for our weekly recommends. Also, if you would be so kind, check out our website at Mad About Movies Podcast. Dot com. Brian, this week's chosen movie of the week is... This week we're talking 22 Jump Street. What's up, dog? We're back. We Ladies, nobody cared about the Jump Street reboot, but you got lucky. We so now this department has invested a lot of money to make sure Jump Street keeps going. The only problem is the Koreans bought the church back, so we're moving you across the road to 22... Jump Street. Big sequel weekend last weekend. Yeah. Big time. It was. Mm -hmm. Not the uh, sequel that I thought uh, ruled the box office. I know. Shocking. That was very shocking. Shocking. Shocking turn of events. Um, 22 Jump Street destroyed the box office. And, man, it's going to be fun to talk about this one because we were all big fans of the first one, if I'm not mistaken. Were we not? Yes. Yes, we were. Very much so. It's going to be fun to visit the sequel and uh, see if it holds up to the original. And it'll always be fun to talk a little bit of comedy. Yeah. Um, because that's our one of our favorite things to do on the show. That's right. Uh, but before we dive into movie news, rumors and rumblings, guys. What about rumblers? I would like to talk movie rumblers. Movie rumblers. I like it. Richard, <laughs> Richard introduced us to a new... So it's movie news, rumors, <laughs> yeah. rumblers. Yeah. They're really big trucks with movies on them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and we are huge fans here. So the summer. Michael Bay movie, Movie Rumblers, will be <laughs> debuting next summer, I think. I'm fired up. Uh, before we jump into that, guys, I want to go over a fan email. This one doesn't come from a typical fan. This one comes from a friend of the podcast. Ooh. Uh, Brandon from the Calypso Cigar Review sent in his thoughts on last week's episode on Edge of Tomorrow. And he brought up a lot of good and fun points that I want to uh, discuss with you guys. So he says, hey guys, Brandon from Clips of Cigar Review here. I went to see Edge of Tomorrow after listening uh, to the Edge of Tomorrow episode. I have never really been much of a Tom Cruise fan. To me, he tends to play the same character in all of his movies, a.k.a. the guy that is the best at everything. For example, Top Gun, yes. the best pilot. Days of Thunder, the best stock car driver. Cocktail, the best D-bag slash bartender. Yep. <laughs> Mission Impossible, the best secret agent that isn't James Bond. Last yeah. Samurai, the best Dances of Wolves ripoff. Which, by the way, uh, if you listen to that, when Richard and I were guests on uh, their podcast, they're going go to go uh, take it to the grave on defending Kevin Costner with, uh, yeah. with every last effort. It's funny. I love it. Well, draft day, I think, is the final nail in that coffin. But. <laughs> I think so, hopefully. Um, so... He says he was always one of those actors that made entertaining movies that I enjoyed in spite of him being in them. Uh, see also Keanu Reeves. Uh, so it truly took an act of trust to go spend my money to see Edge of Tomorrow, but I'm glad I did. So far, this was the most entertaining movie of the summer to me. I think the fact that Cruz's character started out as the polar opposite of most of the other characters he has played worked out well to propel the story in an interesting direction. The humor would have been a lot harder to come by if Cruz was automatically the ultimate B.A. I uh, totally agree with that. While the premise was very similar to Groundhog Day. Like Baracus? Is he referring to <laughs> I think so. <laughs> A-Team. Another awesome action so movie. Great. He says, while the premise was very similar to Groundhog Day, um, doomed to repeat until you get it the right way and grow as a person, it was different enough that it didn't feel like a retread or a ripoff. Overall, I'm glad I got to see it on the big screen and in 3D. Now to the issue that we also talked about on that show, uh, the cinema box office, I say this, going to the movies just isn't the experience it used to be. With the advances in home cinema technology, like Blu-ray, HDTV, surround sound, cheap DLP projectors, streaming high def, 3D at home, etc., going to the theater has lost a lot of its charm. Why spend 
more, to go see a movie in a theater when you can just wait a few months and watch it in the comfort of your own home. A place free of sticky floors, crying babies, not in Brian's case, uh, people talking on cell phones, and overpriced subpar snacks. For me personally, a trip to the theater has to be for an event movie, like sci-fi, fantasy, and action, are all about I will venture out to see because I enjoy the experience of seeing those on a large screen or maybe in 3D. Comedy, horror, and dramas are all genres better suited for a small screen to me as I can enjoy them without missing dialogue due to excess laughter, screaming, or talking. Even then, if I go to the theater, I tend to stay away from the first few weeks for the crowds to die down or uh, go midday when I have a theater mostly to myself. And uh, the last point he makes is, for every 12 years of slave or gravity, Hollywood gives us about 20 forgettable movies. You can easily point to summer winter blockbusters and blame them. They don't have to be soulless movies that are completely devoid of intelligence, as proved by Edge of Tomorrow, which I found very smart. Good thoughts, Brandon. Yeah, thank you Um, for the email, Tolstoy. Um, Let me... uh, I can address the one point on there, Kent. Okay. I think what at least, you know why I go to the movie theater? Is because I sit here, I'm sitting here in my home office right now. To my left is uh, a television with cable. In front of me is my computer. I've got my phone here. I've got a magazine, um, two magazines within literally reaching uh, distance. I have an iPad over here. I have a bar. I, I go to the movies. I literally pay to not be distracted. Because I cannot do anything at home. Yeah. Because I literally, it takes me eh, a scant nine and a half hours to watch a two-hour movie because I'm constantly pausing. I'm constantly, oh, I got to, let me check my email. And the next thing I know, I'm like on Zillow for seven hours (laughs) looking at houses I won't buy. Yeah, Orthusio, correct. (laughs) Um, You know, and so there's something about the strictness, and I will admit, not everyone, not everyone uh, fulfills their end of the social contract, but I try to. When I'm in the movie, turn my phone off, or at least I like throw it in the pocket, and don't touch it for two hours. I don't talk. I try to think. And it's sometimes the only way for me to really ever immerse myself in a movie because sometimes when I watch them here, I don't ever really feel like I never go into the movie, which is a lame thing to say, but I don't. I just kind of watch it purely aesthetically and don't emotionally get it involved at all. Whereas at the theater, I find I do that easier. Um, do you guys have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I do. I do have some thoughts, but I'll let Brian talk first. No, I'm totally with you. I I understand the argument that the theater has lost its uh, luster or its appeal or whatever. Um, I don't personally buy into that. But I, the thing that sucks about the theater is people. It's not the theater, you know. It's and it's not even the the price to me. I'm I'm willing to pay my ten dollars to see. Uh, to see a good movie in a theater because I I think that the theater experience is it's just I have two huge HD TVs and lots of great technological pieces of equipment in my house it's not the same as watching a movie in the theater it's just I, I don't think there's an argument to be made about that the thing that sucks is dealing with the people that go to the theater and then so our our emailer is exactly right the best time to go to a movie is on at like 11 a.m. on a Wednesday so if you have the uh, the work flexibility to be able to do that then like like I do which is great um, that's that's a huge bonus for sure uh, Brandon thanks a lot for the email and my response would be I totally agree with you on your uh, points about Edge of Tomorrow and uh, the movie stars but I would say that there's there's something that I learned about in film school that I wasn't really familiar with and it really opened my eyes to the experience of a movie theater um, you can google google it or something it's called the screen apparatus theory it's borderline uh, theory of psychology where us as the watcher there is something psychologically different about seeing a movie in a darkened room with a large screen than there is at your house Richard you excellent point uh, with the distractions. Some people would say that going to a theater is more distracting because there are people around you um, talking, texting, laughing, whatever. Um, but what it doesn't have, what your home doesn't have is the extremely dark room made for theaters unless you have you're one of those people that has their own movie theater in their house. If you are, then I hate you. Um, but there's definitely something psychological about the darkened room giant screen. There, I mean, there, there are done studies on it and everything. And whether you as the viewer realize that or not, 
there is a psychological difference being made on your perception of that film because of the environment in which you watch it. If it's easier for you to watch it at your house um, on your HDTV and, and to get the same experience, it, you know what? It's probably not the same experience. You just have convinced yourself that it is the same experience. Does that make sense at all? Yeah, totally. So for event films, I totally see what he means. Um, like A movie like Gravity, just, I mean, I can totally attest that it's not, it's not the same experience that it is in the theater. Totally. But psychologically... It's been proven that uh, the the act of going to a theater in a darkened room with a giant screen and surround sound and all the above uh, does have a huge psychological impact on your overall perception of the Especially film. Especially the sound, I find, for me. Yes. The sound is big. Good, uh, good email, Brandon. Thanks for doing that. A lot of great points uh, were made. And uh, if you're a listener that has an opinion on a past episode or a movie that we've reviewed and want to have your voice heard, we often do address your questions and emails on the show. It keeps us from having to think about topics and research. So, I mean, really, you're just doing us a favor. Exactly. Um, All right, guys. Speaking of topics, let's move on and talk movie news. Movie news. Yes! Rumors and rumbling. That's awesome. Let the filibustering begin. All right, guys. Anything you want to mention right off the bat, either one of you, for movie news this week? I mean, we've got a lot of great DC news. Kevin Smith says that the rumored DC release lineup is the real deal. <laughs> really? Yep. Hopefully he'll get the direct one. <laughs> oh, oh man. They're just hanging out in Metropolis, kicking back, <laughs> le- leaned against the Metropolis convenience store. Talking means- about other, other superhero movies. <laughs> it's the one we've all been waiting for. We really have. <laughs> Joey Lauren Adams, Catwoman. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. So, yeah, there is DC news. Richard, please break it to us. Well, I mean, as the official DC correspondent of the podcast, um, which, as you guys know, is um, punishment for illegal proceedings. Yeah, I can't discuss. But uh, we've got kind of a uh, a lineup here for the the DC release calendar. This is going to compete directly with, uh, obviously, Marvel, but also, I suppose, the Star Wars films that are coming out. I haven't haven't heard about this. Not directly. Not week to week. I'm just saying, like, as a big seven feature franchise yeah so in may 2016 may 2016 we have batman v superman dawn of justice pause for pause for a moment of silence (laughs) as you guys know i'm just trying to stay alive that's all like as we have we mentioned several before several times before this is a legal procedural (laughs) Uh, Batman suing Superman it's an Aaron Sorkin script Uh, so there will be I'm excited for the sequel Appeals Court (laughs) the Appeals Court (laughs) Uh, the second film comes two months after that which is a standalone Shazam feature Starring Shaquille O'Neal reprising the role well that's Kazam that's Kazam get it straight yeah I would rather they'd be lucky (laughs) To get a remake of that and or a sequel. Is it about a uh, a phone app that recognizes music and it's yeah, like take it on the social network? No, that's... With a DC a, twist? It's not, it's not a phone app. That is the guy's superpower. Oh. Yeah, you play any song in a waiting room. You're like, what's that, what's that song called again? He just shows up. He just shows he up. Goes, he goes... Shazam! Oh Shazam! That's Gin Blossoms. You're welcome. <laughs> That is a movie I would see. So. 90 minutes of just waiting room <laughs> scenes. Woo. Wow. Okay. Uh, after that, uh, six months after that, in Christmas 2016. So they're pumping these out because no way people get fatigued by these. Um, Christmas 2016, <laughs> we have a, a standalone Sandman. Of uh, Marvel fame Sandman? No. there's. A, I guess there's two different ones. Wow. I thought um, I, I, thought- I could have sworn Sandman was in Spider-Man 3. Is it, was he not called Sandman? I I don't know. Maybe he was they, made of sand. Maybe it's uh, Sand Castle Man. Or, or. Well, there is, there's the Neil Gaiman one too, uh-huh. yeah. which is a different. Yeah, the Sandman is a, is a, is a DC property, and then Sandman the villain is a Marvel property. Okay, that makes sense. Okay, so I guess we won't get a, a reprise of um, Thomas Hayden Church's masterful portrayal. <laughs> Unfortunately. Okay. After that, we have in May 2017. A year after, so we only will have a year to wait after Batman v Superman uh, for Justice League. Gosh, 
Oh, it gets so much better. Then we have uh, two months after that in July. So it looks like they're going May, July, Christmas. May, July, Christmas. Uh, two months after that in July, we have a Wonder Woman standalone starring what's her name from Fast and Furious. Gal Gadot. And then this is where it gets really good. <laughs> Christmas. Have you guys not seen this? No, no. no. Christmas 2017. We have a Flash Green Lantern team up film. <laughs> Hopefully Ryan Reynolds plays both parts. You can't make this stuff up. If I, I could not. <laughs> wow. Because Ryan Reynolds was rumored to be the Flash for the longest time, and then he ended up doing Green Lantern. So now, why can't he play both? Eddie Murphy style. <laughs> I mean, 20- Black, Blake Lively's playing dual roles in that movie, so he might yeah. as well. And then May 2018, this is the last one on, on this first, you know, first generation, is Man of Steel 2. Is that all the release <clears throat> calendar? Is that it? So far, um, and then and Kevin, Kevin Smith confirmed it. And when asked um, how he knows, he said, because I know people, mother effer. So that's classy. <laughs> nice. Because he, he continues to be a, a, a gem. And then uh, how he feels about the list, Kevin Smith said, it just gave me a reason to live, man. Like, who's that chick who don't want to live? Lana Del Rey? Show her this list. <laughs> this list would make a grumpy cat smile, dude. Everything about this list is perfect. Topical references and everything. Way you know go. what, Lana Del Rey? You don't want to live anymore? Well, what if I told you that the Flash and Green Lantern are teaming up? How does that make you feel? And then she just ends it all, and that's it. This is astoundingly bad. Like, this is... This could bankrupt... I, I mean... I, I guess people go see there. People are going to go see the Batman Superman movie because it's yes. Batman. There's enough stupid people that you know everyone that watches Two and a Half Men will go see this movie. But after that, I mean, aside from Justice League, I mean, are people going to go see a Shazam movie in July? I don't even know who Shazam is. Yeah, and then a Flash Green Lantern team up. Well, Green Lantern sure did well. Yeah. Oh, how can we make sure it does better? Well, we'll just have the flash to it because it has such a legacy of motion picture greatness. I mean, the only one that can maybe do okay after that is is Wonder Woman, maybe, because people just know that character. What's surprising but. to me is that they haven't tried to do five more Batman films after Batman v Superman. I'm like I'm surprised every other movie isn't a Batman movie. Well, that's probably what that was probably contingent on getting um, Affleck. He's like, look, I'll do it, but I don't want to be bogged down with these for nine years. Like there's other stuff I want to do. You know what? Above all, at least they're well thought out. You know, at least they're not rushing things (laughs) with three films a year. You know, (laughs) what I hate most about these movies is that and that we haven't even seen yet is that I really like blockbuster popcorn superhero movies. Like I'm I feel like I've long been a champion of. Movies like Independence Day and pretty much any comic book movie ever that's not Man of Steel or Green Lantern or Daredevil. But anyway, I, I like that sort of that sort of movie, and I could not be less interested in any of the things that they that they're putting out there. Like I don't, I I really truly do not want to see any of these movies. I don't see the Wonder Woman movie being big. No, I see that as the the biggest risk here. I mean, we don't know what the budgets will be on any of these, but I just feel like at least people know that character and there'll be a certain sector of people that go, oh, I remember Wonder Woman, whether it's the TV show or whatever. I just feel like more people identify with – first of all, it's rare you get a superhero. But I mean obviously Catwoman didn't do very well. I think a character people – I would – unless they get a big star for Shazam, I would say that Wonder Woman has a better shot. Yeah, they tried to make a – Wonder Woman television series yeah. a couple years back and shot the pilot and everything. And, you know, they had it. I guess they had faith that it might work, but it didn't even make it to air. Yeah. Like right. and green and green arrow made it to air. Think about right. that. Yeah. And they are doing a Gotham uh, series this fall, by the way, on Fox, mm-hmm. yeah. which I've heard good things about, um, at least the production uh, design and everything. Seem it's getting pretty good buzz. So I'm more excited about that than I am any other <laughs> DC property right oh, now. No question. The Gotham yeah. television series. If, if you're at all excited about the Gotham TV show, then you're already more excited for it than anything in this this movie calendar. I mean, that's just eesh, eesh. one more little bit of DC news to add to this. Richard Bryan, they have cast Aquaman. <laughs> I don't know if you saw, but I po- did see that playing Aquaman the guy from Entourage. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I 
Uh, his name is Adrian Grenier. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> yeah. What's what's his character name? I can't. Uh, Vinny Chase. Yeah, it's got to be Vinny Chase, right? Close. No. Um, it is Jason Momoa of Game yeah. of Thrones fame. What? Yes. Why? Yeah. Like that's the least Aquaman person. Like I'm fine with him being in your movie and being a superhero. I would I would pick him as Superman before I would pick him as Aquaman. Yeah. Are we just trying to get the largest chested men that we can for all of these roles? Is that yeah. really because Affleck is bowing up pretty hard and yeah, Cavill and I mean, is that is that all we're doing now? Is it's the main requirement? It seems like yeah. it. It seems that seems like the most likely explanation. To be honest, you got to see you got to see veins through your suit. John yeah. Cena just got cast as Robin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, if it makes you feel any better, or worse, actually, know that Jason Momoa passed on the role of Drax the Destroyer in Guardians of the Galaxy, and uh, because he said it wasn't the type of film he wanted to be in, the type of character that he wanted to play. Okay. So, But uh, Zack Snyder, as opposed to James Gunn, you know, that's... That's quality, right there. If anything, if anything people are going to leave Dawn of Justice and be like, you know what? That was just that got me emotionally. But I was, um, I was moved at the end of Man of Steel just because I just watched eight hundred thousand innocent people die in a city. <laughs> Guys, I don't even know what to say. I'm gonna. I'm not trying to be too cynical here. I. Boy, I, I'm, am. I, I know you are, <laughs> but I really am gonna go into Dawn of Justice and be like, you know what? I'm gonna give this a shot. Though it can't be any worse than we than we think it's gonna be. Hopefully. I'm, I'm really I'm going to go in positive too, Kent. I'm I'm serious because I I'm so certain it's going to be bad. I want to give it a fair shake. Oof. I feel the same. I way. really try hard to do that, but there's no there's no way I'm going to accomplish <laughs> it with this one. I'm I'm going to I'll play the the super negative role. This will be my Oz the Great and Powerful no matter what. <laughs> yeah, and I'm going to try and be as blatantly honest in my review as possible. So if I do like the movie, guys, be prepared for a good podcast because I know uh, what some of y'all's thoughts will be on the, on the movie. It, it'll autom- it ought to make for an entertaining podcast, at least, if not an entertaining film. Um, but yeah, so I guess that's the uh, DC news here. A lot of, um, a lot of release dates uh, apparently announced or confirmed by Kevin Smith, who, you know, he's basically the authority. Yeah, he's like my um, Billy Graham. You know, I take his his words to heart. Everything he says, I just live by. He just sets the example for my lifestyle in pretty much every way. Not not really. Actually, the opposite. You are uh, wearing a hockey sweater right now, though, right? I am. An Edmonton Oilers colored jersey, but with my own Mad About Movies logo on the front, as to not be confused with the Edmonton Oilers. So I've got one more piece of news. Okay. It's not DC related. Is uh, that a it's a It's a rumbler. Okay. No, it's just straight up because we we've talked about this a little bit, but we've talked about it a lot on the podcast. So I feel like we should talk about it on the podcast. And this is the because uh, Ken, I think you feel stronger. I think we all feel strongly, but I think Kent, you feel the strongest. Wow, there we go. Uh, I just conjugated the crap out of strong. Um, <laughs> this Dumb and Dumber two trailer. Yeah. What do I think about it? Well, first impression, uh, the tone was not the tone of Dumb and Dumber. I felt like way too slapstick, blatantly trying to play it uh, stupid and dumb more than the original. Like what charmed me about the original was that despite all the dumb things that uh, Harry and Lloyd said and did, they didn't even realize they were being dumb and stupid. You know, like they, (laughs) they were so confident that they were doing the right thing so many times. Like for instance, the... Uh, slippy, slappy, swami. No, Samsonite. Like they were so confident in most of their stuff that the dumbness, the ignorant dumbness, was what was so charming about Dumb and Dumber. This one was just okay. We realize we're not smart guys, and we're just gonna go and act crazy. And and it just didn't have the the same tone and feel of the original Dumb and Dumber. Now, once again, this is a trailer. And if we know anything about Hollywood and trailers, it's that they cram all the most outrageous moments from any comedy into the trailer. It's it's been clear that the the Fairley brothers have spent, you know, a long long time working on uh, the Dumb and Dumber 2 script, apparently like 2 years straight or something like that working on it. So I'm hoping that they just threw a lot of that stuff from the trailer just to get people in the seats like that was even an issue to begin with, but that they saved a lot of the intelligent humor for the actual movie. And that can be done. You know, they can save stuff for a movie, and we'll talk about that later when we talk 
22 Jump Street. But my first impression, Richard Bryan, of the trailer is uh, just way too outrageous uh, for my tastes. And uh, the humor doesn't seem like the same style of humor, really, as the original Dumb and Dumber. Other than the fact that Lloyd Christmas had been faking a mental handicap for 20 years just to get uh, to play a joke on Harry. So I thought that was funny. Uh, the other jokes were seemed like repeats of the originals. Uh, the am I right? Am I right? And stuff yeah. like that. It's just uh, same music even a lot. And so I, I hope it's just not too big of a rehash of the first one. And uh, they, they really tried to make it uh, worthy of like, if you're going to make a movie, a sequel to a movie, that's what, 20 years old at this point. Exactly. And uh, one of the stars of it is 59 and the other is 52. You know, I, I just hope it's more than like a three stooges, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, which the Farrelly brothers also made a few years ago. I hope it's more, more the style of the original and less the style of the three stooges. So that's my initial thoughts. Uh, after I saw the trailer, kind of, kind of disappointing, but I still have hope. It also gives away kind of an obvious plot point, I think. Right? I mean, I think Lloyd is going to be in love with his own daughter. Don't we think that? Yeah, yeah. she looks like him. He he admitted in the first movie he fooled around with Harry's girl. So that's kind of like, well, I already know where this movie's going. But yeah, the, you're right. It opens up with a great bit with the 20 years thing. Um, that was really funny. But then it's kind of all just. Once the catheter thing hits in the trailer, you're kind of like, oh, okay, here yeah. we go. Yeah. Brian, what do you think? Yeah, it's terrible. Uh, <laughs> I uh, Everything that I laughed at beyond that first bit was – it feels weird that we're just totally breaking down a trailer, but this is what our world has come to. But no, uh, everything after the first bit that I, that I giggled at was a total rehash of the first movie, so that doesn't bode well. And you know what else doesn't bode well is the, the Fairly Brothers haven't made – to me, even a decent movie since like 1998. So that's uh, that's where we're headed, you know, as far as their career is going. So I have no. You know what made it worse was watching uh, Jim Fever Carrey, pitch. especially <laughs> Fever Pitch. <laughs> yeah, watching Jim Carrey and Jeff Daniels on uh, Jimmy Fallon last week, and Jim Carrey just came across so desperate to me, and I that yeah that made me depressed and made this trailer even less uh enjoyable than it had been <laughs> that really made me sad seeing him on on the show and then just sitting next to jeff daniels who's just like totally calm and kind of not into this at all um while uh while jim carrey did his jim carrey bit from 1996 it was it was odd uh, i'm not because he's kind of jim carrey's in the uh what we like to call the eddie murphy zone now Right. right. He's like yeah. where Eddie Murphy was in like oh four. You know, it's been a mm-hmm. while since that a hit. But I feel like Eddie Murphy took it a lot better. I mean, he still kept making terribly movies terrible movies, but he didn't like seem super bothered by it or like really desperate at all. Same with Sandler. Like Sandler doesn't seem particularly upset that he just kinda is like, uh, that's what I'm doing. And Murphy was the same way, but Jim Carrey is still just like, Please love me. Yeah. 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 You know, I- and it has this weird desperation to it. I think part of it is, and we've talked about this a lot with Sandler, I think Carrie had dramatic ambitions for his career and sure. can't get recognized for the stuff that he does that's good on that front. And whereas Sandler has this to fall back on where it's like, I'm just going to take a vacation and crap out a movie and I'm still going to make a good chunk of money off of it. Carrie doesn't have that. So it's, it's like he has the worst of both worlds where he doesn't want to keep – I, to me, it seems like he doesn't want to keep doing these bits, but he doesn't have a choice really, um, and he can't get anywhere else in life. So that's he's in a bad spot. Yeah, it seems as if the Dumb and Dumber sequel is both a last bit desperation move for Jim Carrey and the Farrelly Brothers. Yeah, it's like okay, if nothing else we do in our entire careers work, let's do a Dumb and Dumber sequel and just end yeah. it on that. You know, yeah, <laughs> I, which I think is fine. you're right, dude. I've, for, for, excuse me, Fairly Brothers, especially because after movie 43, I don't know that they could get uh, much of a budget for any movie that was not a Dumb and Dumber uh, sequel or, or reboot or whatever. Because um, they just, I don't think they have any sort of uh, cash with, uh, cachet, excuse me, with the like studios. I mean, I, I really don't. They don't. Remember we talked about on the podcast how they took it to... Uh, I don't remember what studio it was, the original studio, and they they said no. Yeah. Like, we're not making this. And so they took it to somebody else and got the whatever $30 million budget it was mm-hmm. 
and they're doing it. And we have the debate. We're like, okay, this will make money. Whether it's good or not, people are going to go see it because it's dumb and number two. Yeah. That's I think it'll do close to 50 on the opening weekend, depending on so what I. it's up against. I did see the trailer with an audience uh, for 22 Jump Street, and it absolutely killed in the theater. Like, people were losing it. They they thought it was – it got the biggest roar of any of the trailers that uh, that we saw. So, I mean, it has the public appeal. It, it does seem to appeal to that slapstick, gross-out humor that um, has become so popular over the past few years. But you know what? Like I said, I still have hope, and I will go see it because, man, Dumb and Dumber is one of the best comedies ever. I mean, in my top five, for sure, if I was to make a list, I absolutely love – Love Dumb and Dumber. I mean, every line in that movie is quotable. It's it's classic. It really is. Well, it came out of my birthday. Hey, ma'am, fam, question for you. Do you own a small business or are you a boss? Are you looking to hire awesome people, but you just can't find somebody to fill that role? Well, let me tell you about ZipRecruiter.com. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100 plus job sites all with one click. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. Right now, you can post your jobs for free on ZipRecruiter by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. That's ZipRecruiter. Dot com slash mad. One more time, try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. Thanks to ZipRecruiter for supporting this episode of the Mad About Movies podcast. Hey, what's up, ma'am, fam? Kent here. And yes, if you're hearing from me, you know it's time to talk about Blue Apron. If you haven't tried out Blue Apron by now, what the heck are you even doing? Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. They deliver fresh meals straight to your door. All the food is fresh. It's sourced from local farms. And there's no wasted ingredients. I've been a Blue Apron subscriber for a long time now. And they have still, to this day, never let me down. There's tons of variety. Some featured upcoming meals include summer vegetable and egg paninis, soy glazed pork and rice cakes, skillet vegetable chili with cheddar drop biscuits, holy crap, and garlic butter shrimp and corn with green bean salad. So take it from me. Try out Blue Apron now. Go to blueapron.com slash mad. That's blueapron.com slash mad. Get three meals on us for free. Nothing goes better with a movie than dinner. So check out Blue Apron. Blueapron.com slash mad. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Let's move on and talk about uh, 22 Jump Street. You do realize you just destroyed half of Metro City Port. I kind of see it as the port is half not destroyed. This happened because you weren't doing the same undercover student thing you did the first time. Do the same thing. Everyone's happy. Okay, Richard Barton, kick us off with uh, initial impressions of 22 Jump Street. Uh, yeah, I remember being, I'm a big Jonah Hill fan, and I was pretty excited uh, at the concept of this because I caught an interview with him and he kind of described very well what they were going to go with with the first 21 Jump Street. So while I was pleasantly surprised with the first movie, um, I wasn't as pleasantly surprised as most because I kind of had at least medium expectations that it would at least be funny, especially since Jonah Hill wrote it. And at that time, um, those guys hadn't had too many misses aside from like maybe the sitter. I don't know if that came out before or things like that. Uh, and then so they made it and I really thought it was a fun little movie and they said they're going to do a trailer and I kind of rolled my eyes. I mean, not a sequel, not a trailer, a sequel. And I uh, kind of rolled my eyes and, you know, it got made and I kept remembering it was coming out this summer and then forgetting. And then I looked last week and I, I saw the trailer and kind of was like, okay, I mean, I'll see that. Obviously I do a movie podcast, but I wasn't super psyched. Um, more than normal. I mean, I, you know, and then uh, I hopped on Rotten Tomatoes last week and I saw it was at like 96%. And I was like, whoa. And I remember texting you guys like, is it good? Is it getting? And then I just started seeing review after review about how much better it was in the first one. And how it's the best comedy of the summer. And it's just kind of like, what? Uh, and I, so I went and saw it. Went and saw it last night, actually. Uh, and it was uh, completely, I, yeah, yes, it was. It was just as good, if not better than the first. What a great sequel. You know, I love how in tongue and cheek it was. I loved all the in jokes to both of their careers. It's not plot spoilers, but you know, they make a couple jokes at their career and things like that. And, uh, and I think, no, I really, really thought the script was fantastic and, uh, loved where they went with it. And, uh, 
I hope they make more now. I mean, obviously, we'll get into that later on. But uh, this has proven to be not just a fun little one-shot film, but a kind of a fun, almost uh, lethal weapon-style buddy cop franchise. Um, that is so surprising. Uh, and the, the chemistry between the two leads is, is great and doesn't waste any, any time, really. This one was a little long, but I totally understand. It was all so good and funny. I understand indulging yourself. Uh, but what, yeah, Brian, what do you think? I was, I was less enthused about, or I was more surprised, I guess, by the first one. Um, that tra- the first one had a weird phenomenon of like, every time I watched the trailer, I got a little more excited for it, you know, and that's not usually the case. But the first time I saw it, I was like, this can be terrible. And then you're like, all right, I might watch that. And then by the time I got to it, uh, I was pretty, I was pretty stoked and it was just so much better than I, I ever could have imagined it would be. Um, I think I saw this one before you guys did, and I, I, because I had to see it at like ten o'clock in the morning again, which I hate. I don't want to go that early. That's too early for, for a movie. But uh, anyway, I saw it and I texted you guys and just said, all I'm going to say is I think it might be might be better than the first. The self awareness and the the meta stuff that they do is just is so so funny. I'm not a huge Jonah Hill fan. I I think he's a supremely talented actor and comedian. It's just not. Gen- always my cup of tea, I guess. But I think he's so good in this role, and the chemistry between him and Channing Tatum is just is is magnificent. And that's that to me is the shocking and uh, amazing part of this little franchise is that you know two or three years ago, I think we all everybody except for uh, Bored Housewives hated Channing Tatum and didn't care at all about anything that he's doing. And I think he we all felt he was. Borderline talentless, honestly, um, but uh, he is so stinking good in this role, and he's so genuinely funny, um, and it, it's just opened up a whole new world of possibilities as far as like where he's going to go and how we see him, or at least how I see him. I don't want to speak for everybody, but uh, at least how I see him. Yeah, but the, the, the pairing of those two really is what drives this whole you know, now we're at a franchise. Um, the writing's great. The direction is great. It, they have a great uh, Chris uh, Chris Miller and Phil Lord have a great sense of what fans will want to see in in the movie and what will make people laugh. But it, that's all for naught without just really incredible chemistry between the two of them. So I I love this. It's it's a stronger movie than the than the first one. I might like the first one better, but that may just be based on you know. Uh, I can't really say nostalgia since it was two years ago, but I've seen it 20 times and I, and I like that, you know, after I see this 20 times, I may think it's a little bit better, but there's, there's something about, you know, the first time around or whatever is is a little better, but yeah, all, all around excellent, excellent movie. Hilarious. Absolutely. Brian, I was so surprised and pleasantly surprised by the intelligentness of the humor in this movie Mm -hmm. not to say it worked in the theater that i was in i think the slapstick stuff the like stuff that okay jonah hill gets hit in the head with a giant steel beam like that that played a lot better than my favorite joke of the movie which richard mentioned where they're coming up with ideas and channing tatum says well we could pose as fbi agents and try to protect the white house (laughs) and jonah hill says no, that'll never work. And yeah. Channing Tatum says, well, I thought it would work. <laughs> Literally dead silence. And I burst yeah. into laughter. Like, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I laughed for like past and into the next scene uh, at that joke. And it was nobody got the reference at all. I just thought that was yeah. so funny. And really cool of Channing Tatum to do that. You know, like, it's one thing to say that in on the tonight show or something right but to put it in a movie <laughs> that's people are going to be watching forever like to, to admit your mistakes on such a big scale like that yeah i, I thought it was really cool of channing tatum to agree to do like it, it didn't seem like something that would have been in the script even that it was something that they may have might have come up with on the spot uh jonah didn't do any of that to himself i noticed that uh no really uh, no digs at the sitter or the watch. You know, remember the watch a few years ago. Yeah. So man, Jonah Hill, just, he, he is so good in this movie. He's so funny in this movie. You can tell he really needed this movie. Uh, he, he had come off what Moneyball and, and, uh, and Wolf of Wall Street. I think he shot this immediately after shooting the Wolf of Wall Street or a movie called True Story. Also, which is a drama that's coming out later this year, I believe, I think in the fall. Yes. So he was just, he was on Howard Stern last summer talking about 
the Wolf of Wall Street, I think. And he was just talking about, man, how excited he was to just get back with Chan and to just be funny again. And he just absolutely crushes it in this movie. He is so funny. The bit where I need perfect silence to get into character. I need absolute <laughs> silence to get into character. Well, that was kind of a, uh, I think, kind of a dig, like at his like serious acting. Lately. I think so. Yeah, that you're was, probably think, right. Kind of a self-effacing joke. That was so funny, man. And he absolutely does crush this movie. He he carries the movie to me. I think Channing Tatum has come a long way as an actor and, and as a comedian, believe it or not, since 21 Jump Street. But this is just a whole new level. I mean, this met, met all my expectations and more for what I wanted in this sequel. The stuff with Nick Offerman as the police chief was so, so genius. Yeah. And... I mean, they kind of played on that in the original, but to add like the the self awareness of most second missions are twice the budget and make half the uh, half the profit or something like that, and that was so funny because ironically, this movie made twice uh, what the first one did on its first week. So it made uh, it made I think s- almost sixty million uh, this past weekend, and the first one made just over thirty five million. I think something like that. Ice Cube. <laughs> Like, who would have thought that Ice Cube would be the Ice Cube he is now? Back in when he was <laughs> when he was straight out of in Compton, the, straight out of Compton, NWA, dude, future American treasure, Ice Cube. <laughs> I'm, I'm calling it now. He's yeah. he's well on his way. He is so funny in these movies, and it's it, it's almost are you, are we there yet? Level yeah. great, hilarious. <laughs> I wouldn't know. I didn't see that, Richard. Oh but. well, then here's your homework for the week. <laughs> That's my weekly recommend. Thanks a lot. Yeah, I'm sorry. He is so good in this. You don't have to rely straight on Jonah and Channing for all the humor. I mean, <laughs> he's such a good third uh, third person uh, to, to compliment those two actors. And uh, so let's talk about the premise alone of this. What did you guys think of them going to college? I, I saw Jonah talking about making fun of the fact that in the first one, we went to high school. In the second one, we're going to college. Like how, like how stupid of an idea that was, even. Um, yeah. So I think they really overcame the uh, clicheness, uh, if that's even a word, of the notion of them just going to to university. The way it ends in the post credit sequence, which we'll save for spoilers, but I, I really think that they overcame the the cliche premise of this. What did you guys think about that? I absolutely, yeah, totally agree. They did this perfectly. They took a this this uh, I think in in uh, lesser hands is a is a really dumb sequel. But I don't think these people will any of them, not just Jonah and Channing, but but Lord and Miller as well. I don't think they would have done it if they didn't believe that they could you know make something great out of it. But yeah, ter- taking the exact same premise as what they used for the first movie, um, and really doing a lot of the same things. But doing it with such great self awareness and uh, and adding in these really ridiculous uh, moments, man, the, the, I don't know. You can't really ask for more than from a comedy sequel than what uh, what they did with that and the way that they used the premise was just. I think it was just was genius. Honestly, just total genius. Yeah, Richard, what do you think of the overall story? Yeah, I like it. I liked how they kind of tease it at the beginning, like they're in college, because you know, at the end of the first movie, he says you guys are going to college. Do so you think it's going to just kick off yes, there? Yes. And then they're like monitoring uh, online courses yeah, <laughs> on yeah. an iPad. Um, that's really funny. Um, but yeah, they they just had so much fun with it. I mean, you basically just make it so blatant and obvious that it kind of takes its power away. Uh, the lame sequel. And and they were so so smart with it, and I give Warden Miller a lot of credit for doing things visually the same on purpose, and then yeah. kind of expounding on them, uh, going back and visiting some of the older characters. Love the interns uh, yes. from the first movie, yeah. but uh, yeah, just a really 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 smart, intelligent way of doing it. I think Warden Miller now are just you know they've surpassed Lord and Taylor on my uh, all time Lord and list. Uh, <laughs> There's still Lord and Taylor. Those stores still exist. It was a department store, but it was, uh, you know, it's, it's a great premise, you know, going to the college, they, they kind of fulfill, they go to the spring break. That's, there's some, you know, fun they have with it, but it's always kind of being pulled back. Uh, and then all the bits they did with the, 
the jokes about the budget were just hilarious. Yeah. Um, with it, the police office basically mirroring the production company and all that great yes. stuff. It's just a really great, yeah. I mean, the the idea of meta has become totally kind of played out over the last twelve years. Yeah. Um, with people playing themselves and playing versions of themselves, and it's kind of gets old after a while. Uh, but this did it in such a fun, inventive way. Um, and in 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 essence, created two movies. Right, you can enjoy like. Kent said this kind of slapstick fun buddy comedy. Let's say you have no interest in Hollywood or budgets and don't even know that movies, that sequels, you know, get a bigger budget than an original movie and things like that. You could not even understand that and still enjoy the movie. Yeah. And then you, if you also are interested in like kind of the inner workings of Hollywood and these two actors' careers and kind of the in jokes of all that, like we are, we host a movie podcast. This stuff is amusing to us. Um, you can enjoy it a, a whole different movie. Um, and uh, that's that's really neat and inventive by the screenwriters and the directors. Um, and I, I should say this. I'm just going to bring this up. I think this is a really cool thing that, that Lord and Miller do. Have you ever noticed their credits? Yeah. The way they say, you know, a, f- a film by, you know, Lord and Miller. And then that goes away. And then there's a big on the screen. It just says and. And then the credits come up. And like they okay. kind of they kind of give credit to everybody in the credits, you know, because every director says a film by, sure, um, and it's kind of pretentious, like I did everything. But then it says and, and I always think that's kind of a classy move. I really think that's cool. I mean, gosh, I just hope there's a third. I hope there's a twenty three. So bad. I, I want this to, I want this to keep going until it's bad. Yeah, I do too, as well. And I I just hope that they can match uh, with. 23 if they if they do that like who would have thought that they would even match 21 yeah like that was such a fun classic movie lord and miller have such a great sense of montage Mm -hmm. more than anything uh the montage of them with all the little items that you bring to college i thought that was so funny and it's teased a little bit in the trailer but uh they really took a lot of the stereotypes and cliches of college and made them really fun and and you can go back and say oh man i remember when I was in college, I had a shower caddy. But they have such a great sense of montage, and they do it multiple times here. There's a there's a sequence where they accidentally are dosed with the drug in which they are investigating, <laughs> and they each trip out in a different way. And it's done in a split screen. And I thought that was ex- extremely funny and, and creative, especially yeah. – Jonah Hill's side where nothing but Creed was playing. Creed playing, yeah, I I died. Like that was that was the first time in the movie that I laughed to the point of like I'm I might I might die, guys. Like this is I I, I missed the next couple of jokes because I was cracking up so hard. This movie has something for everyone. Richard touched on that a little bit, but it really does please both of the audiences that a movie like say. A Million Ways to Die in the West would would please with the slapstick slash gross out humor, but it also has really intelligently written fun comedy, Mm. which I think that Anchorman 2 had a lot of too. And that that movie sort of played both ways too. By the way, I can't stand – there's so much hate on Anchorman 2. I've seen uh, online and stuff how a lot of people just despised it and thought it was just terrible. Like I don't really know what they were expecting out of Anchorman 2, but it apparently wasn't – what they expected, but uh, go back and listen to that review if you liked uh, that movie. We, we really enjoyed it. But you touched on a little bit on the budget stuff. I thought it was so funny when, when they were in Ice Cube's office and, and like sort of midway to halfway through the movie, and he says, "Okay, now you have to do, you have to finish the mission, but spend no budget <laughs> and yeah. destroying Metro City Port. That spent half our budget right there. You know, that was a really expensive thing. Yeah, and so." You know, anytime a car would crash later on the movie, they would say, oh, man, that looks expensive or something like that. It's a, And those type of jokes just didn't work in my theater. I don't know about you guys, but it didn't, really didn't seem like anyone made the connections uh, to that, which, which I thought I, I found those were my favorite um, parts of the movie. Yeah. Some fun, some fun cameos in this movie as well. We should we should spoiler now. If we're going go to go spoiler alert right now. Uh, coming up for 22 Jump Street. So, fun cameos here. Uh, one of our favorite guys, Patton Oswalt, makes an appearance here oh, yeah. as a teacher. Always great to see him on the screen. Thoughts on yes. Patton Oswalt's cameo? It was funny. It seemed like it was pretty Im- improv yes. as well, which yes. is great. And he should play more professors because he's perfect for that. <laughs> yes, yes. It, it said on his board something about wars about the U.S. Uh, some, I guess it was uh, history class or economics or something. And, of course, Star Wars was written on the board. I, th- I think that's it written into his contract. There has to be some sort of Star Wars nod or reference 
and yeah. everything he does. Can J.J. Abrams just do the right thing and cast him as, as a bit character already? <laughs> Come on. He should have. He, uh, he should have hired. He could play him as, some sort of alien. I he mean, should have hired him as a consultant. He had yeah. some really good idea, fun ideas for episode seven. If you've heard his little filibuster, but good to see Patton Oswalt. Uh, any other cameos you guys noticed? Rob Riggle. Uh, I was hoping he would be in the movie. I'm glad they didn't overuse him. They used him yes. the correct, uh, yes. perfect amount of time. That is how much every movie should use Rob Riggle. Yes. That's that's the limit of, of the Rob Riggle charm right there. Like six, seven minutes of screen time. That's perfect. Totally. And Dave Franco as well. Yeah. Our favorite Franco. Yeah, my favorite Franco for sure. He's so much Strong. better in comedies than James. Like it's not even it's not even a conversation anymore at this point, I don't think. After we're going back and watching Twenty One Jump Street, he's so funny and good in that movie uh, did you guys see him on conan a few months ago when he was report, uh, promoting neighbors no uh conan kept like just showing him stuff james was up to and he was just like yeah i mean honestly this is probably the least weird stuff he's into like i don't really know <laughs> <laughs> he like clearly was just as weirded out by james as everyone else nice. <laughs> makes me like him more and some fun little easter eggs in the movie too i don't know if you guys noticed um the logo of the statesman school if I'm not mistaken, and correct me, and write into the show, listeners, if uh, you don't agree with this, I think it was a picture of Arnold Schwarzenegger as the actual Statesman logo, but I could be wrong okay. on that front. And when they are getting chased by the drug dealers yes. in the little, I guess, football helmet car, yeah, and they oh, drive oh. by the film school, and the Benny Hill sort of song plays, it says Benjamin Hill School of Film. That was yeah. so funny. That I thought that was hilarious. a funny uh, Easter egg as well. So a lot of different types of humor in this, not necessarily, like we said, one-dimensional. Uh, so yeah. much to offer. And such a fun, fun time, man. I haven't laughed like that in a theater. I can't even remember, to be honest. The last time I legitimately like belly laughed in a theater like that. It, it, every five minutes or so, there was a, a part that gener- genuinely made me like burst out laughing out loud. I mean, we use the term LOL laugh out loud a lot, but I mean, I was almost, almost hurting by the end of the movie. I was laughing so hard at this and I found it, uh, extremely funny <laughs> when, when ice cube figures out that his daughter is with Jonah. Hill. Yes. That's the, the whole movie. Channing Ta- when Channing Tatum figures out yeah. that, uh, Jonah Hill has been sleeping with ice cubes daughter. That's, that's one of the more supreme moments of comedy of the last, I don't know, decade. I mean, that yeah. was that was a perfect scene, and it lasted for like three minutes. And it's, oh, man, that's amazing. <laughs> when they go and sit down at the parents' luncheon or whatever, and <laughs> his, uh, Jonah Hill's mom's like, oh, we should all sit together. That would be fun. <laughs> and it's just awkward silence. <laughs> Uh, for a while, and uh, and Ice Cube goes and to get more food. <laughs> He's black. He's been through a lot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and um, the the guy goes to serve him the green beans. <laughs> And he's like, what are you guys rationing green beans? And he grabs the green beans with his hand and throws them on the plate. And it, it's a both commentary on um, on the situation itself, but also a commentary on how bad like banquet food is. Like, have you ever have you ever been to a banquet? Or a large scale like yeah. dining experience and be like, man, you know what? That food was was bomb. That was just phenomenal. You know what? I never have until this past weekend. I went to this wedding and uh it was the only wedding food I've ever enjoyed in my life. They were like chicken fried steak sandwiches. And I was like, Ooh. this is what every banquet should serve. <laughs> That's why at my wedding we are having um chicken express, chicken tender trays. <laughs> just just yeah. uh buffet no would- <laughs> style, you know, rolls and gravy. Uh, I'm just setting up a CC's in my wedding, <laughs> full scale. That'll be cheap yeah. too. It's what ninety nine yeah. cents a pizza. Or a piece. Yeah, yeah, I think it's great. like if I can have an unlimited CC's for like six hours, I think it's like seventy bucks. Yeah, <laughs> pretty sure. <laughs> Any other general thoughts on on Twenty Two Jump Street, guys? I know there's a lot uh, a lot of jokes that we could talk about more, but I don't want to really. You know, spoil this too much for the listener. If you have listened this this far, uh, I don't want to you know ruin your your experience in the theater. It's one that you can go see, and you can probably watch multiple times and still laugh. Oh yeah, at the humor. It's yeah. not unlike Absolutely. a million ways. It's not 
Like, uh, I didn't feel like I missed one joke in that movie. One more joke I want to mention is when they're busting into the frat house and Channing Tatum uses the laser pointer to try to <laughs> cut the glass. Yeah. And he makes his own sound effects. Yes. <laughs> yes. Strong. So good. My only complaint, do we want to, y'all, I don't know if y'all have any complaints. My, my sure. one complaint about the movie, uh, and this is a spoiler, too much, too much Jillian Bell. I really thought she was really funny when she was the roommate and just saying ridiculous things about Jonah Hill's age. I was dying at that stuff. When she, like, the longer she was in the movie, the less I enjoyed her talking. So I don't know if I'm completely alone on that front, but uh, uh, the whole bit of her turning into the, you know, pretty much the the the, ma- the main villain, um, I got really, I got frankly quite annoyed with her by by the end of it. She she was the opposite of the Rob Riggle effect for me. Richard, any complaints about this movie? Uh, I don't know, not really. I mean, I, to me, it was pretty much as perfect as it can get for that type of movie. I think, um, you know, who would have thought that? Like Channing Tatum would be a legit comedic star. Like right, he's yeah. the best part of those movies, right? By yeah. a pretty large margin. And Jonah Hill's great and Ice Cube's great. And I love that they f- made Ice Cube's part a lot bigger. You know, yes. it was almost a glorified cameo in the first movie. But it was fun. Yeah. And the co- callbacks of the first movie. No, I really don't. I mean, it was uh, maybe more, you know, I, I still like Korean Jesus more than Vietnamese Jesus, personally. They wasn't a huge fan of. <laughs> yeah. Busy with Korean stuff. But yeah, no, it was to me. That's about as good as I could. I there's really nothing I can complain about. Kent, you have anything? No, not really any any real complaints, man. Um, like I said, there's cliche aspects to it. The fact the premise alone is cliche. Uh, the love story is cliche. Uh, the the fact that they grow apart is cliche and, and come back together. But it's all stuff we expect and, and wanted in this movie. But it well, works and they beautifully. They did it so well. Yeah, like they did it purposefully. It wasn't like oh, we couldn't avoid cliches. It was no, we're going to take on every cliche, pretty much. It's funny that uh, Lord Miller have made the two best, my favorite two best comedies of the year so far. This and the Lego yeah. Movie. Yeah. <laughs> like, Big year for them. Those guys are awesome, man. Those when, guys do they, have- when do they get uh, called on to direct Sandman or Shazam or something? Yeah, well, we already know they turned down <laughs> Ghostbusters, so that's good. Uh-huh. Uh, hopefully. They don't do any uh, more reboots like that. But guys, there is a movie coming out. Uh, they're trying to make Knight Rider into a movie with uh, with Chris Pratt and Danny McBride attached. So I think we're going to get a lot of these old TV show movie reboot uh, type things. I'm, I'm excited for uh, Magnum P.I. with Aziz and Zari. <laughs> I, I, it can't be any worse You'd than... See it. Uh, you would see it. I would. I like a as long as Tom Selleck is involved in some way. Yeah. I, I thought of one complaint. I wish they would have brought back the uh, at least for a quick scene funny thing the the girl from the first movie because they oh, cut yeah because it could you could have had some humor at that expense like yeah so you were actually twenty six like they never <laughs> really addressed that in the movie yeah that's true um, and you, we were dating um, so yeah that might have been funny uh, but. That's that's about that's really it. That's all I can think of. Good thoughts, guys, and a really fun movie. Like I said, I, I want to see this again, and it, it met all my expectations. And like I said, my second favorite comedy of the year so far. Um, you can put Grand Budapest up there if you consider it a comedy. I don't necessarily. I consider it sort of a cross uh, between drama and comedy. But this is um, this is high up there, man. And 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 Jonah Hill, man, he. He leapfrogged Seth Rogen in my book as far as one of my favorite uh, comedic stars. He, we do get a good so Seth great. Rogen. Seth Rogen uh, pops up though in the credits. He does, and that's what I wanted to end with is talk about uh, the post credit sequence. So, so genius the way they did it at the end. I thought for a second that when he says you guys are going to medical school, I thought I was going to end there, um, and that would have been funny, you know. But the way they do it at the end is so great, and I've got a list here of all the sequels. That they tease at the end. And uh, so we start out with 23 Jump Street Medical School. Uh, then we get 24 Jump Street Foreign Exchange. 25 Jump Street Semester at Sea. <laughs> <laughs> that was my favorite. <laughs> 26 Jump Street Art School. 27 Jump Street Culinary School with Bill Hader. <laughs> There's a bomb in this? 
It's an old family recipe. <laughs> so good. Uh, 28 Jump Street, Veterinary School, 29 Sunday School with Seth Rogen. That, that was a uh, quite, quite funny little cameo. 30 Jump Street, Flight Academy with uh, Anna Ferris. 31 Jump Street, Ninja Academy. 32 Fireman Academy. 33 Jump Street, Generations, co-starring Richard Grieco. <laughs> Never thought I'd see him again, but I did. 34, Rico! <laughs> 34 Jump Street, uh, Return of the Ghost. Uh, by the way, Peter Stormare. <laughs> Why? What is he up to these days? Uh, he, he continually gets, gets typecast in the same roles, but uh, you can't blame him because he's good at what he does. Uh, 35 Jump Street, Traffic School. 36 Jump Street, Military School. 37, Scuba Class. 38 Dance Academy. <laughs> that was that was great too. 39 The Video Game. Uh 40 The Retirement Home. 41 Magic School. 42 Beauty School. 43 Mariachi School. <laughs> and uh the last one is a futuristic take. 2121 Jump Street. So man, a really creative way to end the movie and ended on a really good note. Um they could like I said they could have ended it where they did, and I still would have walked out being like, man, that was awesome. But this just made it even better for me. So, guys, let's go to grades. Brian Gill, grade for 22, Jump Street. I think I started out as an A-, minus, but the more we talked about it, I'm coming up to an A. Straight up A. Richard. A+. plus. Cool. I'm going to go A as well. And, uh, man, another A for this summer. Never would have seen that coming uh, in yeah. a million years. So awesome. It's all coming to an end now. Yeah, that's next, it. That next month and a half, we're just going to. Until Guardians, maybe. Yeah, um, sure. I don't think there'll be one that even probably crosses B, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll, if we can always have hope. You know, you never know. You just never know. Uh, okay, guys, let's move on. Now let's do weekly recommends. Weekly recommends. Okay, I'm going to start things off with weekly recommends. Two fantastic, awesome American treasures met uh, last week and had a great conversation uh, that has finally made its way online. Uh, we are big fans on the podcast of Jerry Seinfeld's Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee. This is sort of a two-part recommend. I want to recommend uh, Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee, which is premiering season four this coming Thursday. And you can always go back to ComediansInCarsGettingCoffee.com and watch uh, the previous seasons. I have gone back and watched a few of those that I had forgotten about and really, really hold up well and uh, are just fantastic little, you know, 10-minute, 20-minute little videos just about talking about uh, the comedy industry and stuff like that. But the two American treasures, Jerry Seinfeld and American treasure David Letterman, uh, met at the Paley Center this past week and had a one-hour talk about Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee with Dave interviewing Jerry about the show, sort of why he did the show, and they show some, some behind-the-scenes look, like they show an unedited version of Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee, and then immediately followed by the fully edited, complete version, so you can really see sort of what goes into doing one of the shows. And he gives a lot of details about the budget of the show, and but... Yeah, it's a really, really fun show, and it's a really fun, like I said, a little web videos, and then really innovative, uh, to be honest. That that was uh, Dave's, one of Dave's main points is how if he had comedians in cars getting coffee, he would just quit The Late Show now, because like, what more could you want as like a retired comedian to just go and, and drink coffee and hang out with your friends and, and have it produced and put online and make money off it? He, It's just... It's a great way for Jer for Jerry to stay relevant in comedy, and it's really groundbreaking for TV or internet uh, focused uh, comedic shows too. So I will recommend that. I'll link it on our website, madaboutmoviespodcast.com. It's a really fun thing to just throw up on Apple TV or Chromecast or something and sit down, and it's a really fun chat between two great American comedy legends. And so check out Comedians and Cars Getting Coffee premiering season four this Thursday online. So can't recommend that show highly enough. So that is my recommend for this week, Richard. Yeah. Um, with the, uh, with the world cup going on, as you guys know, there's a lot of good matches and like any American, I, uh, I get in the soccer about, you know, twice a decade. 
Uh, I don't know. I watch a little EPL and a little La Liga, but nothing too serious. But there's a podcast on Grantland, the Men and Blazers podcast, which can be pretty tough to listen to most of the time. But during World Cup, it's actually kind of an excellent little uh, soccer talk during the uh, during the uh, tournament. And uh, there's not much else going on in the sports landscape right now with the finals over. So I recommend the Men and Blazers podcast on Grantland. And it kind of catches you up pretty quickly on you know who a lot of these players are, who are favorites, so on and so forth. So uh, it's fun to follow along. It's a really great event. So uh, there we go. I haven't heard Men and Blazers, uh, but it's good that you would recommend that, Richard, because I will check that out. I enjoy Grantland quite a bit, and they have some excellent podcasts coming out of there. So I will check that out, and I am enjoying the World Cup a lot. Me too. This has been a very enjoyable World Cup as compared to... The most more recent ones. Oh, that was close. Yes. Can we just always have it in Brazil? Seriously, <laughs> yeah, we can. That was the perfect I, place because they love it, and it's Central Time or whatever. Yeah, or Mountain Time, but close it's enough. close to us. Yeah. yeah, to where yeah. the games are on, like not at three in the morning, which is yeah, that big is fan good. of that. It's always good. Uh, Brian, ridiculous save there, Brian Gill. We can recommend uh, my week. I, I'm just gonna go real real quick. Uh, my two favorite movies of the year both came out on DVD Blu-ray today. Uh, I've already had an opportunity to pick them up, so uh, I'm just gonna. We did episodes on both of them, and I encourage you to go back and listen to those if you missed it before, or if you couldn't see the movies and now you can on DVD or whatever. Uh, the Lego Movie and Grand Budapest Hotel both uh, both hit uh, shelves today, so uh, pick up a copy of both of those. They're both worth worth purchasing, obviously, and uh, hopefully you go back and listen to our our shows. But uh, yeah, how, still, how was, how was Best Buy this morning? Uh, I actually went to Walmart, so oh, okay. you know, just uh, no. I had I had this that weird meeting this morning, and Walmart is literally like I don't know less than a half a mile from my from my office, so I just ran across the street and grabbed them. But uh, yeah, really, both of them very very good movies, and I think we're all three pretty high on on them. So uh, check those two out. Let me guess: the uh, Grand Budapest Hotel was fully stocked at Walmart. <laughs> it was. It doesn't, doesn't was. seem I like people I, would be rushing to Walmart. I, yeah, or the Walmart crowd purchased. would necessarily go for right. that. I probably bought their only the only copy they'll sell. I'm sure. <laughs> so. I'm gonna pick that up too. I can't wait to get out and buy those. I've been anticipating yeah, always, that for a while. Is it a Criterion? It's, it's not. That's no. what I was gonna say. It's always tough with the Wes Anderson movie because, like, I I know I'm gonna want to watch this once or twice over the next two or three years, but I also know eventually I'm gonna have to upgrade it to a Criterion. So. Uh, I think I got it for like sixteen dollars on Blu-ray, so I feel like that wow. was, you know, that was good enough. That's so. worth it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Cool guys, great recommends as always. And uh, Brian Gill, let me ask you about where can I find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at bgill12, and you can find my writing at canbabiesdrinkredbull.com. Richard, where can we find you? You can find me on the internet at Richard Barden. Kent, where can I find you? You can find me on the internet at Kent Garrison on Twitter, and you can find me on this podcast as well as all three of us online at madaboutmoviespodcast.com. Go back and listen to all of our archived episodes on there. Find our weekly recommends on there, our list of American treasures, and... Again, contact us on there as well if you have any thoughts or complaints about the show in general. Uh, And on that note, guys, until next time, we will see you at the cinema. Bye. Goodbye. Goodbye.